All right. If you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew 16, we'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, also, we're back on version, And so there's a lot of notes to share with you today. So if you want to access the app called version, again, look for CIL or CIL Church and you'll see the notes today. Well, guys, I want to just say to you before we get launched into today's teaching is don't let your hope die. I, I want you to remember this is that we are people of hope. And one of the reasons we have weekly worship is to sing songs and to interact with one another when we're here together presently and to hear God's perspective. Because in a time of hopelessness, guys, we are people who are to have more hope than ever before because our hope is in the name of the Lord. And I want to tell you this, is we can have confidence about the future. And I'll tell you why we can have confidence in the future. Because we know the God who holds the future, who has predestined us to do great works for him. And I know it's just easy to get pessimistic. And even there's some people who, who I love and I respect and, and they're just like, oh, things will never be the same again. Well, that's, that's just true in life. No matter what happens, things will never be the same. But I want to tell you, if the Bible calls us to go to the Lord's table, we'll go to the common table again. And if the Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick, there'll come a time when we lay hands on the sick. And if the Bible calls us to gather in the homes, there's going to come a time when we'll gather in homes again. Because the word of God and the name of Jesus is more powerful than COVID-19. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for taking precautions. If you know my lifestyle, you know that I've participated with the the precautions that we need to. But I refuse to believe this virus will have the final word. You know, it it may take some days, it may take some weeks. I don't know, but I want you to get your hope up. Life is going to be better in the future, okay? We will not succumb to this virus forever through the Lord. Through the Lord, He's going to help us overcome. That's why here in the year 2020, I am so glad to be a pastor today. I am. And I am so glad to be your pastor because I can't imagine uh, just for my calling and what God's called me to do. And believe me, the enemy's wanted to take me out just like he wants to take you out. So don't think I'm more special than you. He's wanting all of us to not step into our God called assignment. But I'm so glad that he has preserved me. And the Lord has brought us thus far. Who am I, Lord? And what is my house? That's what David said. Who am I and what is my house that you would let me shepherd your people? And I just say, God, you know, who am I that you have brought me thus far? How many of the word thus sounds more official? That's what, but that's, that's a good ESV word. I mean, you've brought us this far, Lord. And thank you. And so today we acknowledge the 12th anniversary of our church. And we're so thankful to the Lord for what he's done. In 2008, there was a wonderful group of people who who were in this building, and they invited me and the church plant that I led in Gallatin to become one church. So we really have three versions of history in our church, but we just acknowledge one. We just said, let's reset in 2008. Not that we don't acknowledge the rest of our history, but it just makes it easier. How many know it gets confusing when you have three versions of history? So we acknowledge uh, what God did 12 years ago, and CIL became one church and was birthed at that time, and CIL now means Christ is Love Church. And there's someone that I need to thank for this, because, you know, when you start 
thanking people. You always overlook certain people and all that. So there's someone who really needs to get to receive thanks for this. And that is Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the author of the church, the one who begins the church, sustains the church, and the one by whom we exist. We exist because Jesus has gathered his people. That's what the church is. It's the gathering of God's people. And what Jesus wants to do through his people is why we exist. I could spend a whole hour thanking people and thanking individuals, but how many know that we honor Jesus by building his church? And I want to tell you, if you're trying to uh, receive personal recognition by building a church, you'll never be fully satisfied. You know, no one will truly understand the sacrifices and really the millions of dollars that have gone into a church like this, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows all who have invested in this church, and we stand before him. He gives honor where honor it belongs, and then guess what we do? Because Jesus is so great, we just throw our crown. We throw our honor right back at the feet of Jesus. And so, now today, I don't have a gift for you. Sorry, I don't have cookies to pass out, and I don't have a cool little memorial. But I can say with all my heart, thank you, Jesus for this spiritual family. Thank you, Jesus, for this property and this building and the thousands of lives that have been touched through this church and the hundreds of people who've invested in this church. And man, there's just so much to thank God for today. So I'm thankful, but this is what I realized. You know, I'm a historian or a self-appointed historian. That depends. You, you can call yourself a story and a historian. Until you meet someone who knows more about history, and then you're like, I am no historian. I don't know jack about this. But I like history, and I like talking about the history of stuff. But most of us, we know this, is we're not really concerned about where we came from. We want to know where we're going. Because God has put in the heart of men and women this desire to step forward, this desire to progress under his leadership, this desire to step into the future. So uh, the, the title of my message today is this, The Prevailing Church. It's part of a bigger, a bigger kind of movement called CIL Forward, and we may even move into this for two or three weeks. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the prevailing church, the church who overcomes obstacles, the church that um, attacks darkness, the church that does not retreat when there's a challenge. A church who advances even in the midst of a global pandemic. A church that advances even when there's economic turmoil and unemployment is at a historic high. A church that advances even if the government does not support the church. A church that advances even when it's hard and it's sacrificial and it's tough. That's the type of people we are. And that's the type of people God is helping us to become. And that's why in the year 2020, I've never been more proud to be a pastor and to walk with a group of people like you and a group of people who are watching online because we're moving into the days where casual Christianity and convenient Christianity and consumer Christianity will not 
stand up in the face of adversity. It's people who know their God who will do great exploits. It's the people who know who their God is, who, who reflect the glory of God in the very essence of who they are, and that's a gift from the Lord. And so we're here. We come on a weekly basis, and we gather uh, coffee shops and homes when we can, and we now we go on Zoom, and we present ourselves to the Lord to receive His grace because it's His grace that transforms us into the people he wants us to be. So I just say, don't lose hope. In fact, get your hope up. Get your eyes up. Begin to expect great exploits. Begin to expect the miraculous. Begin to expect un, you know, experiences that you've never seen before. You see, someday people are going to read or watch documentaries about our day. Hey, we're not watching movies. We're living out stories. And we were living out the movies other people are going to watch someday. So God has decided for you to be engaged in culture for such a time as this. All right, I haven't started the sermon. Should we just call it amen and go? I said, I want, I want you to remember this. When I talk about the future of our church, I'm not talking about our name. We've changed our name four times. <laughs> you know, so how many knows that's not stable at all? Um, I'm not talking about building, location, all that kind of stuff. When I talk about the future of our church, I am talking about you because you are the church. We, we, are, not, we are not building an institution. We are not building a brand. We are not an outpost for a certain denomination or, or another mega church, and we're just like a little outpost in the suburbs. No, we are a collection of individual stories. We are a collection of, of people with a thriving faith. God doesn't look upon us and just see a collective and a group. He sees the individuals who make up the corrective, uh, excuse me, the, that make up the group. And, and so your story matters. Your love for God matters. Your, your love for the church and your devotion to the family of God makes a difference. Like so much is on the line with your life, and that's not to put pressure on you. That is to let you see your significance in the eyes of the Lord. Because, guys, our faith will remain even when earthly institutions fall. I mentioned Antioch a couple of weeks ago in what is now modern-day Syria. We know the city, the city of Istanbul, which once was Constantinople, in the year 300 was the thriving center of Christianity. And now there's very few Christians, less than 3,000 Christians out of 80 million people in the country of Turkey. And here's my point is, is the church may not regionally prevail, but the church will always prevail, okay? And so th- this, is, this is why... Who you are before the Lord matters for eternity. And every bit of fruit you give for the Lord, even if you've invested in a youth group or a church or a church plant or a parachurch ministry and like, you know, it's not around anymore or it's not what it used to be. Hey, that wasn't a waste of time. That wasn't a waste of investment because in the kingdom, everything you give out of love in the name of Jesus makes a difference in this world and it makes a difference in eternity. So I'm talking about you today. When I explain today and in subsequent weeks 
um, characteristics that God has assigned to our church and then characteristics that are aspirational. So there's some things you'll say like, yeah, I can see that at CIL. And there are, there's other things you're like, hey, they're, they're not quite there yet. Well, hey, vision pulls us forward. And so when I talk about characteristics we have and aspirations we have, I'm not talking about something distant from your heart. I'm talking about your heart. Because if God's called you to this body, then the things he's called this body to will be formed in you. All right? So you're not just a piece of the machine. All right? You're just not a seat in the crowd or you're just not a view online. You are an instrumental part of the characteristics God is building here. And so when God builds those characteristics in us as a people, that means he builds them in your heart. And so when we talk about the future of the church through God, we're talking about the future of you. And that's a good thing. Okay? All right. Let's get to the Bible. How about that? All right? Y'all like the Bible? You people who love the Bible. All right. Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 13, is our text for today. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. We see the power of personal conversion. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me just talk about a couple of meanings of words there. You are Peter, and, and that's your Petro. You're a small rock, Peter. But on this rock, Petra, this concept, this overriding idea of personal conversion, this 1980s Christian rock band. Okay, five of you got that joke, but I thought that was good. Upon Petra, this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my gathering. Okay, upon this idea of personal conversion, I'm going to gather my people and the gates of hell, really the gates of Hades is what it says there, because there's four different words when the Bible uses hell. They just, the translators just say hell, but it's actually Hades. The gates of Hades shall not, and ESV, ESV sounds more spiritual. That's why I used it this week. Shall not, I know you ESV people love that, shall not prevail against it, Okay. So here's the idea, and let me, yeah, I'll read on. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The church has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the power of personal conversion and the power of the gathering of the church. Now, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I just, I do want to note that the Roman Catholic Church they get this interpretation wrong because they, they believe that God's building his church on Peter, who is now the successor of Peter as the Pope. And so they say whatever the Pope binds on earth 
is bound in heaven. Whatever the Pope looses on earth is loosed in heaven. And that's why uh, papal kind of declarations mean so much to over a billion of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do believe those who believe in Jesus, Roman Catholics, are believers. I just believe they're definitely wrong about this. And, and here's, here's the truth. The truth is this, is that God's people, when they gather, and when we now go to Scripture, and we interpret Scripture, and we interpret Scripture, not only Scripture through the context, and we even interpret Scripture through traditional interpretations, and whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose in earth is loosed in heaven. This, this is the power of the local church. It all starts by recognizing Christ. It all starts by saying, who is Christ? Is he Elijah? He's more. Is he John the Baptist? He's more. Is he a great moralist? He's more. Is he a great ethicist? He's more. Is he a great rabbi? He's more. He is Messiah, the Son of God. There is no other option. And when you confess that he is Messiah, then you're part of the gathering. You're part of the ecclesia. That's a Greek word. You're part of now what we call the church. So the church is the gathering of God's people. And the gathering of God's people, as his people, we interpret the historic faith. And specifically the last 500 years, we are people of the Bible. We are people of Scripture. We've only had access to Scripture for about 500 years. Before that, it was just the clergy or the religious elite. And, and, you know, like power corrupts. So if power is just in one man or power is just in a group of, at that time, men, um, they're going to just tell people what they want people to hear out of the Bible. Now we say, get your Bibles out, check out Aaron. Make sure Aaron's preaching the Bible. Make sure our interpretation together of the Scripture uh, binds things here on earth and looses things on earth under the leadership of Jesus. So that's why I love the church. The church is... The hope of the world. Why? Because the body of Christ, Jesus, is represented through the church. And Jesus is represented through his church. And the church comes in all types of different styles. There's not really one right way to be the church. That's why we have so many variety of churches. Even in Hendersonville and Gallatin and North Nashville, we have all types of different churches. And we are among the most church places in the world. We have probably more churches per capita in Middle Tennessee than anywhere else in the world, which is scary because I see how we all live too. Man, Lord, help us. But we have great opportunity here. And and so um, part of the beauty of having different churches is that there are different ways we connect with different church families. Part of the challenge is we become consumers and, and we come to receive and, and not to minister to the Lord. And so we, we got to be careful about that. So, um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about our church. And this is a teaching that I do when we go through the process of CIL forward. And we'll see how far we get this week. Next week, Pastor Aubrey's preaching. I'm pumped about that. And then we'll do part two in two weeks. Okay, so first of all, I want to talk about our identity. And, and we... When people ask me, like, what kind of church are, are we? The easiest thing to say the first time is to say, 
we're a non-denominational church. And that has become a code word for this. Uh, You can wear blue jeans and we sing songs that are on Caleb. That's just, that's what non-denominational kind of is a code word for. Uh, I've been told lately that um, if you Google non-denominational churches in Hendersonville, we're either first or among the first. Um, And so I've been talking to visitors and lots of visitors. That's their entryway to our church is the term non-denominational church. Just a survey for those who are here. How many would say that was an attractive aspect when you visited our church, the term non-denominational? Just put your hand up real quick if that's some of you here. Okay. All right. So there's several of you. So there's, there's reasons for that because people don't want to get caught up in denominations. And we truly are non-denominational in the sense that we are not connected to any other church or entity. Strengths of that and weaknesses of that. Uh, my ordination is with the the, uh, the Christ is Love Church, the CIL, and that's who I'm ordained with. And, and I'd like to be ordained with someone else, but it's just never worked out uh, just, just because I don't want to jump through all the hoops and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really right now, all of our pastors are ordained through this local church. So we truly are a non-denominational church. Now, in the future, me or some of the others may want to have their personal ordination through another entity, and then we would still retain our non-denominational um, label. But non sounds so negative, like we don't like denominations. So my preference after that first conversation, because again, when you say non-denominational, it's a code word, right? It, it, just, it just talks about culture more than anything. I like the term, term intra-denominational church because uh, people can certainly come be a part of our church and they don't have to leave behind their denominational identity are even their connections. And so even now, like we support uh, Assembly of God missionaries, Southern Baptist missionaries, we support uh, Anglican works, we support um, Baptist works and the Converge Mid-America work. So, you know, our giving is all over the place. And so it, it certainly would be acceptable to have a Nazarene pastor on staff or a church of God pastor on staff, and they wouldn't have to give up their denomination because, see, truly in their sense, a non-denominational would mean, like, we believe we're the only ones right, and everyone else is so wrong, we aren't part of that. But an interdenominational says, hey, we're, we're, we understand we're part of the whole body of Christ, and while we may interpret Scripture differently at certain places— and while we may have a different culture, because I will suggest to you that people, people really, it's really more culture now that, that defines church and theology. No one, when people visit our church now, I'd say one out of a hundred people ask me a theological question. It's all, it's all culture. Like, how do things feel? You know, what's the style? I'm just giving you information. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that's where we're at now. We're 30 years ago. It's like, hey, what do you believe about you know, internal security or what you, I'm going to name all this stuff. And now you're going to, it's going to make you curious. Or you know, what do you believe about eschatology? And you know, people just don't ask those type of questions anymore. Strengths and weaknesses to that. And the strength of it is uh, like, we're like one big family and you can believe different things about nuances in scripture and, and still be at home here. But when you go to a small group, um, Someone may have a different view about when the Lord's going to return. Or someone may have a different view about um, the, the use, the, the handling of alcohol. Or someone may have a, a different view of 
of salvation and who initiates it. Does God initiate it or do we initiate it? And, and, and I'm real comfortable in that fellowship of difference. I'm real comfortable in that. I'm okay with that. And that's why 12 years ago, I was a good hire for you guys, at least I think, because it was just a weird, our church is a weird mix of assembly God and Baptists with an ex-Nazarene pastor and some Rhema people. It was just all over the place. And so all of that kind of nuance worked well for, for me. And, and I'm comfortable with where we're at with that. Another term that I use a lot, but it's a term that takes some explaining. And so I want to explain it to you. Within our identity is a three streams church. And this has been so helpful to me. And this may probably is all we have time to talk about this morning. A three streams church. And the idea is this, is you can categorize churches that emphasize one of the three streams all over the world. You could go to a church in Africa, in Europe, South America, in the Northeast and Northwest, and you could probably say, well, that church is either in, in one of three categories. Our church, we want to intentionally um, lean into all three categories at different times, different ways, and even within our services, there is a blend. So let's talk about what those three um, categories are. And I want to show you this chart. And if you're watching online, you'll just have to hang with us, and maybe we can get that chart in the in in the Facebook feed if you're watching uh, on Facebook. But uh, here here are the three categories: sacraments, spirit, uh, scripture, and spirit. And so I'm going to talk about each of the sacrament would be like a high church. Um, Anglican, Lutheran, um, probably modern Methodist churches who are, are really uh, base their services around the sacraments. Scripture would be your evangelical churches, Southern Baptists, Nazarene. I mean, we're generalizing here. Church of Christ, for sure, that are, are really about preaching and God's word. And then the spirit would be your charismatic churches, your vineyard churches, your spirit-filled churches, uh, some of your Pentecostal churches, and, and those are those who believe in the moving of the Spirit. So the theory is, and, and one of my mentors, Dan Scott, taught me this, is that you could take a church and say, well, that's a sacrament church, or that's a scripture church, or that's a spirit church. The, these are the emphasis of the churches, okay? And so let, let's talk about the first category and it's the sacrament category, or we used to call it the evangelical category. This is a category about all, like all of the Lord and transcendence. And this is like uh, a church, really all of our faith for the first 1,500 years before the Reformation, we were all sacramental uh, from about, you know, the year 100 to about the year 1,500, which means the centerpiece of the church service was the Eucharist. And guys, we have taken weekly communion uh, really since I started being a senior pastor um, 15 years ago. I'm not happy about how we're doing it right now, but, but, but that's just the way it needs to be for a while. I just, you'll have a chance to take your little package later and peel off the top and the wafer, and it's better than nothing. But man, I, I just, that's, I'm just not happy about the, even the symbolism of that. And, and I'm not even participating in that uh, most weeks right now. Because how many know we're not under the law anyway? We're, we're, we're under love, you know? And so, and so we're, we're under the law of love right now that just says the way we've done communion in the past 
for this temporary time, we're going to put it on hold. But you see here at the front, as a strong air, a strong place of symbolism is the table of the Lord. And we keep out the table of the Lord. And in the middle of the table of the Lord is the word of God. And we'll talk about that. And then the common bread and the common cup. So before uh, March 15th, we used to offer communion by intention every Sunday, which means you'd come and take the bread, dip it in the cup. And we'll do that again when the Lord makes that known. And so it's this idea of the presence of God is in the elements. And, and it's not just communion. It's other types of formality. And so that's why we read prayers uh, during Scripture. A lot of those prayers come from something called the Book of Common Prayer, but not always. When it comes from the Book of Common Prayer, this is the idea that Christians all over the world are praying the same prayer today. And so it's the unity of the global church. It's also a very participatory time of worship because, like, we can all say a creed or we can all say um, say a prayer. And we're not always thinking about, like, what should I say? Like, Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, bless this service to the nourishment of my body. You know how we just get, I mean, we are liturgical people and we don't even realize it because we use the same words in our prayer. The, the prepared prayer actually expands our vocabulary so that when we have spontaneous prayer, which is very important, we're, we're grabbing those words and we're not just saying, Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I mean, I mean, that's cool. I say that too. So don't, don't let me shame you there. Uh, I'm prayer shaming people. That's not good. Oh, Lord, help me. But, but, but I'm, just, I'm just suggesting to you why expanding our vocabulary and, and then like we can just say like this prayer I'm going to read is going to form me. Because, yes, I will pray spontaneously, but I'm kind of limited to my experience. But when I pray a prepared prayer that the church has prepared, it is bringing me in unity with the church. It is, it is causing me to pray something that I may not pray on my own uh, because I'm not completely wise and I don't know the whole Bible. And, I, you know, I don't understand everything. And so this is expanding. And so it's a beautiful expression. Now, I want to talk to you about the biblical roots of this, and we'll look at the chart later. So let's look at the, the sacramental roots. Uh, we look in the idea of temple worship, and much of this springs from Judaism. And Judaism is very formal and symbolic, and just because we're great-great-great-great-grandchildren of the Reformation doesn't mean that we should abandon all structure or tradition or uh, what kind of connects our faith to even Jesus going back centuries. And so this idea of the temple, the temple is a place that's special, that's unique, that people gather to worship God. Then there's this idea, and you're going to see the priest, someone who who takes us into the presence of God. What are we looking for? We're looking for a sense of awe, like God is big and we're not. God is great. And guys, we, we need a sense of honor and reverence for God. And that's what the sacramental stream gives for us. And then we look at this, we already talked about the sacraments, and we look at this as in the Trinity, the Father. The Father. Let's go to the next one. And this is the the, the scripture. And uh, I need to move on. You can tell I get, I, I like talking about this stuff. I get passionate about it. I've got to manage my time today. But that's what's great about making this a sermon series. See, I was going to make this one week, but here we go. So, so the scripture, this is kind of that evangelical um, uh, Baptistic Church of Christ perspective just in, in our culture. This I, idea in, in, from the Bible, the synagogue. The synagogue 
was a place where the, the Jews who were dispersed throughout the world, whether you were, you were in northern Africa, whether you were in the Mediterranean area, area in Europe, in Greece, in Turkey, as I mentioned, you could go to a synagogue and you could hear the Hebrew scripture. It was a teaching point. When the temple did not exist, the synagogues existed. And so there's this idea that God's people are always like going places to hear the word of God. And that's why we love our evangelical stream. We're people of scripture. And that's why, like, I can't think of a Sunday that we've never had the preaching and teaching of God's word here. I mean, I know that after about 25 minutes of worship, we could tip on over and just have a whole service of worship. And it used to be in the olden days when pastors had not really prepared a sermon, they'd tell the worship leader, keep going, keep going. And then come up like, well, the spirit moved today and I didn't have time to get to the sermon. Like, yeah, you were watching the ball game last night. That's what happened. <laughs> so, so we've never tipped on over. I mean, I mean, if God wants us to, we will. Uh, really, if he wants us to next Sunday, we will. But I've just never felt, you know, and so nights like this Thursday, it, it, we'll get back to that. You know, our, our times, dedicated times for, for just seeking the presence, not, not on the clock kind of deal. Um, but we, we understand biblically the idea of a rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi who would open up the scrolls and teach God's word. What do we look for here? We look for understanding. And what is the centerpiece? Not the sacraments, it's the Bible. It's access to scriptures. And we believe that when people have access to scriptures, they become self-feeders. They can feed themselves God's word. They're not reliant on the priest. They're not reliant on the rabbi. You can go to God's word anytime you want to. And isn't it great? Of all the things we criticize modern culture for, isn't it great that you carry the Bible with you all the time? As long as you have a smartphone with you, you've got the Bible with you all the time. You can access scriptures whenever you want to. And then in the triune God, the Trinity, we see the son who was the rabbi represented in this string. Let's go to the third string, the spirit. And this would be the charismatic Independent churches are, are, are churches out of the charismatic renewal or churches out of the Pentecostal revival from 1908 at Azusa Street. And, and we could, you know, if we talked before about the temple and we talked before about the synagogue, man, God's not limited to those places. And the spirit stream reminds us of the wilderness. I mean, we have the Old Testament prophets who were preaching God's word in the wilderness and John the Baptist in the wilderness. And you can also say cities there, city streets and wherever people gathered. And, and we see here where we had before the biblical um, example of a priest and a rabbi. Here it's the prophet who spontaneously says, this is what God's saying right now. And I've got, like Jeremiah, I've got a word shut up in my bones and I can't contain it. Hear the word of the Lord. And this idea of like we're not just reading from the text and we're not just doing something prepared. It's a spontaneous, spirit-driven message. And this is a stream of power where the sick are healed, where a timely word comes to someone and someone's in confusion and you just give them a scripture and it's like, wow, I was in darkness, I was in a fog and, and the spirit gave me that scripture through a brother or sister and I can see now. It, it's the part, like I reference a lot when I preach it towards the end of my sermon, typically, but not always. Man, I'm not looking at the notes. It's like right from here, man, I'm just declaring God's word. I believe that's a prophetic expression. It's from the spirit. It's different at nine than it is at 1045. 
because there's different people in these services or there's different people watching. And so it's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, you're not just reading a message. You're, you're, you're declaring a right now word for the people who are hearing. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful thing. What do we get from that? We get experience. You experience God. This idea of like, God is real. God's not just historical. God is breathing right now in the service. And in the triune God, that's the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to the full chart if we can. Now that you've seen me explain that, here it is. As a three streams church, we're people of sacrament and we're people of the spirit and we're, we're people of scripture. And you can see those comparatives now. The temple, synagogue and wilderness, priest, rabbi, prophet, all understanding and power, sacraments, Bible experience. And then this is so beautiful as those, the historic faith believes in the Trinity, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. So I'll get that chart to you guys in different ways as, as this week unfolds through our, my blog and through uh, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But that's part of our identity and that's where we're going to stop today, okay? Does that sound good? So here's the beautiful thing about it is, is, is as people of the Spirit, we, it, it's, it's whatever God needs to do to form his people. And so there was a couple of years that we were a little more formal. We, 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 just, we were learning the liturgical life, and it, it just felt a little more formal. And then this year in 2020, we, we, we haven't worried about that as much. We've just been a little more like, we just need dynamic stuff from the Holy Spirit. We just need, uh, in this time of uncertainty, we just, we, this is what God's doing in this people, okay? See, I have other friends of mine who believe in the three streams, and God may be doing something different. If a church has just been, I mean, all about the Spirit and prophecy, maybe that church just needs some good old-fashioned Bible teaching. I mean, maybe they just need to go to the book of 1 John and say, let's go verse by verse through 1 John because it's just getting too out there. And then churches that are like, all right, we're in the Bible, song service is over. Now we're at the reason we're here, the Word. Well, I love the way we honor the Word, but that's not the only reason we're here. So this is part of our identity, and I think it's a special identity. I think it's a special place. And guys, listen, as, as God calls you to renew your partnership with our church or to start a new one, um, you're going to have these three streams formed in you. As a whole Christian, a Christian who is not scared of the Holy Spirit, you can allow him to speak to you in a fresh way. As a student of Scripture who's not vulnerable, because if we're not people of Scripture or the Bible, then we're, we're vulnerable to spirits that are not of God, that are not of the Holy Spirit. And then as people who have a depth that we acknowledge that we're part of a story. Uh, 2020 is an important year, but so was 1020. That was a thousand years ago, guys. And so was the, the year 420. We're part of a story, and that gives us humility to know that, that we carry on the faith. And sometimes those traditions are from the Bible and they're important and they tell the story of God with his people. That's why when we sing some of the hymns from our evangelical stream, it brings up more than sentiment. It's like, man, my great grandparents may have heard the song. And then there's some songs that I know my grandparents knew that song. And, and if you don't have that type of heritage, don't, 
you're probably better off, so don't feel insecure. You, you just know that people that are in heaven right now that you're going to know sing that song. And then guess what? They're going to sing these fresh songs of the Lord that are coming by the Spirit for today's generation. And we're going to sing them together in heaven, right? All right, let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. You're building your church. You're building your church. And I didn't even get to preach on that part of the church. Listen, Hades, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail. That doesn't mean that hell's going to attack us and we're not, our gates are going to hold. That means we're on the attack. And we're attacking darkness. And we're attacking injustice. And we're attacking a lack of, of, uh, of spiritual awareness. And we're attacking a lack of ethics. And we're, we're attacking uh, when people don't have education. And when people haven't heard the name of Jesus. And when there's world hunger. And we're attacking when there's, uh, there's a sense of, of godlessness and lawlessness. And we're attacking all of those things that, that often are rooted in Hades itself and evil itself and the church as God's people of scripture and sacrament and spirit we charge forth into the darkness and we charge forth against hell and the gates of hell are strongly defended because darkness doesn't like light but every time we have a devotion every time we act in love towards our friends every time we participate in the living breathing church Every time we honor God's word, we take the gathering of God's people on attack into hell. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church will rise. The church will move forward. The church will take new territory. And it's not about one person. It's not about your preacher, your pastor, your worship leader. It's about us. It's about us. It's about us being the gathering of God's people. Hey, don't rely on my relationship with God. Don't do that any longer. You get in your Bible. You find your community. Don't, hey, I, I'm glad that you enjoy my sermons because you're, you're probably here because you like it at some level. But, but there comes a time when you're not relying on me, you're relying on him. And you're, and you're finding him. And you're relying on the community. And you're moving forward. And then we together... We conquer the gates of hell. So thanks so much.